0: What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant.
1: He's infectious, and I can say that because I'm a doctor.
0: Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Doctor Clapper, Roberto Claperio. Every Saturday morning from seven to nine a.m. on ESPN, 710,
1: home of your Los Angeles Lakers.
0: Cry me a river.
1: Cry oh, I me love her. A
0: river.
1: Cry me a river.
0: I cried a river.
1: The great Diana Krall, I saw her at the Hollywood Bowl. She came out in a black dress and gold shoes. She walked right to the end of the stage and said to the crowd, You like my outfit? Good girl dress, bad girl shoes. And proceeded to sit down and just blow everyone's mind. What a beautiful voice. I'm so excited to talk to my next guest, the great Dr. Clark Fuller. Clark, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. My
0: pleasure, Dr. Clapper.
1: So before we get into Brandon Ingram, and I just want to wet the whistle here, this is what he said in describing his symptoms of why he couldn't lift his arm above his head.
0: Well, you know, when we were going through um, all these tests, I, I didn't think it would be something that serious. Um, I just kind of woke up and my arm was kind of tight. uh I couldn't lift it over my shoulder. and. Um, I knew I was going to hear Luke's mouth talking about um, talking about I was soft when I was um, coming to the gym, and I just came to the gym, did my normal routine every day, and was was just feeling this little pinch under my um, armpit, and I was just trying to figure out what was wrong.
1: And then he couldn't lift his arm above his head. Does that sound pretty typical for someone with thoracic outlet syndrome? You knew before anybody else that's what it was. You called me.
0: Yeah, it is a. There's a constellation of classic symptoms, and shoulder pain, mm-hmm. particularly pain with bringing that arm or hand, uh, rising it above the head, mm-hmm. uh, will will produce pain in that joint. The the swelling is because of the the impingement or the pinching on the blood vessels that mm-hmm. both supply blood and drain blood from the arm but mm. it was it was a fairly classic triad that not everybody with thoracic in, uh, syndrome will uh, describe
1: Yeah, my professor dr Ranawat, said the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know speaking of that how did you become a thoracic surgeon where did you grow up what did your dad do for a living who
0: are you <laughs> my father uh was a rancher in wyoming no uh, way grew up yes yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew up outside a little town up, uh, up by Yellowstone Park called Cody, Wyoming, oh, and uh, we had several hundred acres and several hundred head of cattle. And working with those animals, um, I, de- I developed a, a desire uh, and appreciation for life and the and the balance of life. And uh, I enjoy conversation, which is why I get up at 7.15 in the morning to talk with you. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of conversation with my cows. Uh, so medical school became a natural. I also really enjoyed my pediatrician. I, uh, I never minded to go see, see him. Hmm. And as I, as I articulated through med school and began to think about what I would become, uh, thoracic surgery chose me. I really believe I didn't change. Yet it, it appealed to the um, my sense of, uh, of of science, of correction, of intervention, of dealing with a highly integrated circuit, both the heart and the lungs, uh, which uh, you know are, are vital uh, mm-hmm. to uh, life as we know it. So it, it is a tremendous science that offers surgical uh, intervention to prove truly helpful.
1: Wow! What a story! That's amazing.
0: What did your father
1: think when you said, I want to be a surgeon?
0: I know that he thought I'm not as dumb as he thought I was. (laughs) Um, He uh, he was very proud, very
1: proud. And your mom, did she work in addition or just raise the
0: kids? She was pretty... Busy with the, uh, my brother and, and, and I and 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 the rest of the uh, ranch life, uh, so no, uh, she was uh, wow. she was a very good mother at home with us.
1: And the connection between the two of us comes from a great nurse, one of my favorite nurses at Cedars, Donna Ayello, and she just she's the president of your fan club, probably president of my fan club too, <laughs> but. What kind of surgeries are you doing? What is in the world of Clark Fuller as a thoracic surgeon?
0: That's a very good question, and there's also usually some confusion around it uh, because the word thoracic, people are not familiar with. Um, And I have to remind them that that it's not uh, some period of time when there were dinosaurs. This is not to be confused with Jurassic It's thoracic (laughs) and involves the, the chest, the chest wall, the surrounding musculature, the ribs, the, the, the breastbone, the, the sternum, and then most importantly, the content that those structures protect, the underlying lungs, the blood vessels, the nerves, the heart, the diaphragm, the, the powerful, the, the, the motor of our body that allows us to breathe. So it, it, it addresses all forms of ailments uh, that involve those or- organs, both infectious as well as uh, uh, cancerous uh it in it, it's the full range mm. of those uh, disease spectrum
1: did you hear the sound bites of niagara falls being dammed up so that they can remove the boulders doesn't it sound familiar to what you do as a thoracic surgeon
0: there there is a similarity there <laughs> and, <laughs> there's there's a there's a great cacophony of sound and motion and then when the business starts everybody focuses everybody becomes very intense
1: And speaking of sound, so here here's what Niagara Falls sounds like. So in 1983, I'm an intern. I know nothing. I'm right out of medical school. And they asked me to go see a patient on the floor at 2 o'clock in the morning. The nurse is nervous because the guy has been in the hospital for a week with back pain, and he's in traction. I have no idea why, but I decided to take out my stethoscope for a guy on the orthopedic floor who is there for a week with back pain but the guy was sweating he was in pain he could not get comfortable so I took out my stethoscope and I put it over his belly and this is what I heard I'm saying to myself oh my god this may not be orthopedics it sounds like a waterfall inside there I basically I was listening to a brewery of an aortic aneurysm and called the vascular surgeon, boom, 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 he's in surgery. And sure enough, do you remember a guy named Bud Ferran? I don't know how long you've been at Cedars, but I'm the lowly intern. He's the big shot vascular surgeon. And I'll never forget when he went out after saving this man's life, the family couldn't thank him enough. And he said, don't thank me. Thank that intern who figured it out by hearing that how, and yesterday in surgery, I was teaching the resident how much you have to use your hearing your sense of feel to be a surgeon. It's not just what your eyes see. You have to have a feel about it, probably more so in your world, when you take those fingers of yours and feel the flow through the arteries and the vein is such a big part of probably what you do as a surgeon, correct?
0: It's very much so, particularly in this case, uh, when a patient truly does have thoracic outlet syndrome, there is an impingement. Between the collarbone or clavicle and the first rib, mm. that narrows the canal that those blood vessels tr- must traverse to get to the shoulder and arms. Mm. And when dealing with that surgically, we have to put our finger between the blood vessel, shield it from our surgical instruments while we're trying to remove the underlying first rib. And mm. so there's a very intimate and delicate touch and feel that you must have with that blood vessel while you shield it from the uh, uh, instruments. So,
1: Clark, how many years deal. have you been in practice?
0: I completed uh, residency in 1997, so I'd rather say that than the number of years. <laughs> because those
1: fingers of yours and what you can feel after all of these years is better than any ultrasound, any MRI. Any testing that we can do is to know when it's right, and that's the beauty of us. Uh, In my case, no hair on top of my head. In your case, gray hair on top of your head, (laughs) but that's the greatest part about growing old in the medical profession because what's in those fingers of yours, what's in those ears of yours to listen, it ain't in the book. There's a sixth sense. Listen, I want to ask you about the future of what you do, but I want to pay some bills can you hang on a second? I want to do a second segment with you and ask you about the technical advances that you've been a part of in the world of thoracic surgery. Can you hang on? You bet, Dr. Clark. Okay, my pleasure. We're talking to the great Dr. Clark Fuller, one of the best thoracic surgeons. It's not orthopedics. It's not what I do, but it's so much fun for me to talk to a plumber because I'm a carpenter. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Show, the one and only Weekend Warriors Show. Here on 710 ESPN.
0: What's going on LA? This
1: is Kobe Bryant. Oh my god. <laughs> Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. The Waffle Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9
0: a.m. on ESPN. 710 home of your Los Angeles
1: neighborhood. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm joined today by the great Dr. Clark Fuller, a thoracic surgeon, which is what was needed to save the career of Brandon Ingram, the baby Laker who's now an all-star in New Orleans. He had what's known as thoracic outlet syndrome, the main artery going down his arm. The subclavian artery gets pinched by the first rib and the clavicle, and he wound up with pain, a blood clot, and couldn't lift his arm above his head. Dr. Fuller, tell us a little bit about, I mean, take us through it. He's lying on the table. He's intubated. He's got anesthesia. What exactly do you do? You take a scalpel. You make a skin incision. What do you do? Take us through a surgery that Brandon Ingram had.
0: You're absolutely correct. It it begins with the induction of general anesthesia. We have an appropriate position of the patient, which puts the arm in a a neutral, uh, non- Flexed or the arm is kept uh, uh, parallel to the body. We make a very small incision, interestingly, inside the the chest cavity for a small camera. Looks like a long soda straw with a camera and light at the end of it. Hmm. That from the inside of the chest cavity, we're able to accurately identify exactly where the first rib is. Hmm. It's a very short, broad rib that makes it very, uh, it looks almost like the letter C. And once we identify that, we make a turn vision on, on the skin way up high, uh, up underneath the arm. And through that, I introduce my index finger and, and identify visually as well as by feel the first rib. I feel the vessels that are running over it on the, on the top part of my finger. And by identifying where it is, I'm then able to introduce instruments through that index. In- incision that allows us to isolate the rib at both where it begins on the cubo body and where it connects to the breastbone up uh, front, and we remove it uh, the whole time shielding the uh, vessels and the important nerves that run in that
1: area. Do you use a power tool, a saw? Do you use a giggly saw? Do you? How exactly do you use tools where you have to protect the nerve and the artery from damage, and yet you have to remove... A piece of bone
0: yeah uh, well you we use, use a combination of tools it's only really like a planer like you use on, on wood uh, mm-hmm. it's called an elevator which means that it elevates the soft tissues away from the bone so mm-hmm. the attaching musculature and sinews of, of the region are elevated or pushed mm-hmm. away from the bone and then the actual bone where it joins the uh, uh, spine or the breastbone up front is divided uh, with a uh, uh, an, an instrument that allows us to chew through the bone, uh, divide it. So there's not an introduction of, of a saw necessarily, hmm. but a a long instrument that allows us to uh, uh, divide the bone. Wow,
1: that's incredible. And are you feeling the flow through the vessel? Where on the one hand you lift the arm up, it kinks off. There's no flow. And now you've done your surgery, and you feel the flow return, mimicking that same maneuver.
0: That is that is absolutely correct. You mm. can, you know, when you pull the arm away from the body, much like Brandon described, the the pulse down on the side of the arm by his thumb will disappear, mm. so just like just like Niagara Falls. And then when you restore that blood flow, you'll feel that pulse return, and uh, that's how we know that there's been an adequate uh, resection of that first drip
1: that's just awesome. So tell us what you've been involved with in terms of your field over these couple of decades advancing. Is it in the way to see what you're doing, is it the way to cut the bone, is it the way to clamp the vessels? What is it that's amazed you most that you've been a part of in advancing the field of thoracic surgery?
0: What's um what's what's really revolutionized and and that word gets overused but it truly has is the whole transition from what we call traditional open surgery where incisions and and entrance into a cavity is made through a large incision to to afford us the exposure or allow us to see the things that we need to operate on that has changed as in your field as well as ours mm-hmm. excuse me that there's we've been able to put a light and a camera at the end of a small tube and transmit that under these wonderful high-definition TV screens. So, it's, so the, what we see surgically now is, is marvelous. The, the, the whole field of arthroscopy or in chest surgery is called thoracoscopy. Hmm. And, and being able to do that has allowed us to, to approach the same disease process with the same principles, not violating those but achieved this similar result with a much different type of of skin incision affording patients' recovery, whether it's to deal with thoracic outlet or with tumors of the lung or infection, whatever the ailment may be, uh, rather than having to approach it with an open. Now at least 95% of the cases I do are all done now with smaller incisions and and the TV camera uh, and uh, uh, kind of an advancement upon that advancement is the era of robotics, hmm. which puts the instruments in the surgeon's hands, and I'm no longer at the bedside. I'm 10 to 12 feet away, sitting at a giant viewfinder.
1: Jeez. <laughs> Incredible. Before I let you go, one of the things that's most admirable about you, as a busy surgeon, long hours, is your ability to balance your life and work with your family. You coach football. I know Donna told me that uh, she'd be illustrating the front of the playbook and whatnot for you. What's the secret to that? Where did you get that ability to recognize that you've got to make time to balance your life?
0: I think I saw it growing up in in my own parents, my own role models, in that regardless of the demands of rural life and ranch life, which is truly a 24-7 job, we carved out time. Uh, mm-hmm. As a family, my father was a very accomplished collegiate athlete at the University of Colorado in Boulder,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: he would make time uh, mm-hmm. whether it was basketball, football, baseball, track. Uh, I knew what season of the year it was not only by you know what we were doing out in the fields, but also what I was doing on the court or baseball diamond. Uh, you know, fall was football, and winter was basketball. Spring was baseball. Summer was track. So. Mm-hmm. There it was, it was a, a, a great template provided by, by my uh, parents that, 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 that
1: way. Well, I'm proud to call you a colleague. This is why I love being at Cedars because it's just a building, but it's populated by people like you, and I want to thank you so much for enlightening us this morning, getting up early to be with us. It's a true pleasure.
0: Dr. Clapper, it was my pleasure, and and please, when you sign up on that segment, I want to hear ZZ Top. <laughs> yeah, from Cody,
1: Wyoming. <laughs> All right, God bless you. Have a great day today. The great Dr. Clark Fuller, thanks so much for joining us. All right, Warriors, coming up next, I'm going to do some Clapper Vision. The number is 877 espn but let's talk about coronavirus. How do you wrap your head around what exactly it is? What's a virus? Why is it different than a bacteria? And I'll explain with some clap revision coming up next on the Weekend Warrior Show here on seven hundred and ten ESPN. You'll get to be forty. Oh my God, are you going to need me? And then fifty. It's called alta at said Cedars, because you age. We all age. from your life the bad exercises the treadmill the lunges the squats the stair machines the weights on your legs stop doing that you need to make time out of your week monday wednesday friday to do the pool walk back and forth in the water for half an hour Changed my exercise routine i've gone to physical therapy for a good course two three months what's a good exercise for you the pool the bike, the elliptical those are better for you to keep your quad your hamstring your calf muscles strong Remember, I'm writing another book called Stop Exercising, You're Killing Yourself. If April 1st comes and there's still pain of any kind in your knee, you need a new MRI and then I need you to call me and I'll tell you what to do. Do not let them give you a cortisone shot or stem cells or PRP, any no needles into your knee. What this has to do with the manipulation of flow, except this is a beautiful song. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Love it. The number is 877-710-ESPN. I got to tell you where to get that boysenberry pie. I got to tell you my encounter with a half-eaten seal floating next to me when I was surfing last Sunday. But before I do that, the clinic's open. Let's go to Robert in Huntington Beach. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Uh, yeah. Um, how, how are you, Robert? What do a, you do for a living? I am on disability. What did you do?
0: I used to work at the 99 cent only store.
1: Oh, wow. What a genius idea that was. They sold the <laughs> ni- I remember the family that started the 99 cent store sold it for like a billion and a half dollars. So, so much for things only costing 99 cents. Yep. Wow. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up?
0: I grew up in Huntington Beach my my whole life, practically.
1: Did you surf? Uh, no. Did you go to the pier and watch the surfers? Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something. I, I surfed Huntington Beach once. That was enough for me. In the wintertime, where the guy I was paddling out with said, just stay close to the pilings of the pier. There's a channel there, and it'll take you out through the waves that are crashing. I nearly got killed. Oh, my God. That is a tough wave to surf. It is powerful. So that's amazing growing up in Huntington Beach. I'm jealous. I would have been a surf. I never would have gone to school. I would have done nothing with my life if I grew up in Huntington Beach.
0: Uh, nice. I, I grew up playing soccer mainly.
1: Yeah. Girl, the best sport, the sport of the world is soccer. So what hurts? How can I help you? What's up?
0: Um, for the last three years I have been battling uh I have a torn meniscus in my knee. Mhm. Uh, my doctor that I see for orthopedic surgeon, uh, won't do surgery. Mm-hmm. I've had second opinion, they won't do surgery on it. And then within the last, uh, say six months to a year now, I cannot, uh, lift my leg up when I'm laying in bed. I can't lift my leg up completely. When I go to get into the van to drive, I can't pull my leg up into the van. It feels like it's pulling on my groin now.
1: So you realize that that description you just gave is not your torn meniscus. There's something else going on that is a bigger picture, either your spine, right. your nerve, your hip. There's more going on than your torn meniscus in your knee. So the advice they gave you of leave your meniscus alone is good advice because something else is the matter. You realize that.
0: Uh, I also I'm also dealing with uh, lymphedema.
1: Oh, there you go. I'm that also with- makes you a poor candidate for knee surgery because of swelling and healing and maybe getting an infection yeah. afterwards. So do not let All them shoot you up with needles. That ain't the the solution. Well, lymphedema, the best way to treat that is with compression stockings. And the best way I'm, to treat I'm going
0: to that right now. Right. That's that's I'm the lymphedema massage therapist now.
1: Yeah, that's the best way to handle that. It's a very complicated problem. We really don't have good answers for it, but that's the best answer. And certainly you should look into exercising in a swimming pool where you'll be buoyant and weightless and you can maintain yeah. mobility in the joints. You don't have to go swimming. And you, with the lymphedema, make sure you go to Target or someplace like that to get some pool shoes so that you're not barefoot. I don't need you stepping on a needle or something and not yeah. feel it and getting an infection. So wear yeah. your pool shoes, half an hour, three days a week, walk in a pool. Wear the compression stockings. That'll be the best thing for you to get started.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right, Robert, thanks so much for calling, and thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. God bless you. After surgery this week on Wednesday, I decided to give myself a treat. So I decided I'm in search of, I just wanted to have a cheeseburger. That's fine. And the best cheeseburger in L.A. happens to also have my favorite, one of my favorite desserts in Los Angeles. Do you know what a boysenberry is? You all know what apple pie is, peach pie. They're great. Fruit pies. Love them. Cherry pie. But you haven't lived unless you've had boysenberry. What exactly even is a boysenberry? This is what's so cool about Southern California and Los Angeles. A boysenberry comes from Southern California. That's where it was invented. In 1920, in Anaheim, California. Rudolph Boisen decided that he was going to mix up a blackberry, a raspberry, a whole bunch of berries. He was a berry grower. And he went out of business. But before he went out of business, he made it known that he concocted this berry. And then he sold his farm and that was the end of it. Well, the head of the USDA in Washington heard about this new berry that Rudolph Boysen had put together so he contacts the smartest berry guy that he knows Darrow did and that is Walter Knott from Knott's Berry Farm he called him Walter you know this guy named Boysen and Knott said I've heard of him but I don't think he's in the berry business anymore so the two of them schlep over to the abandoned berry farm of Rudolph Boysen. And there, off into the corner, with weeds growing all around it, is a bush of these cool, reddish, big as a blackberry berries. And so they took this bush, they brought it to Buena Park. Everything's on the 10 Freeway, I'm sure. This is when a New Yorker from Far Rockaway tries to describe something out here. Anyway... They just they end up taking this bush with the weeds, they rescue it, and bring it to Knott's Farm in Buena Park, and they grow it. And it generates these berries. And in 1932, Knott is now selling more of these berries than blackberries or raspberries or strawberries. And someone once asked him, what kind of berry is this? Because we can't get enough of them. And God bless Walter Knott. Just like that story I told you about the vascular surgeon saying, don't give me the credit for saving your dad's life. It's that young intern. And it was me. It was one of the great moments in my medical career involving thoracic vascular surgery because I heard, I heard what Niagara Falls sounds like (laughs) when I put my stethoscope on this man with back pain on the orthopedic floor and diagnosed an aneurysm that was about, that was bursting. And he saved his life, and he said, thank that young guy. Well, Walter, not. Instead of saying, yep, this is my berry, he said, no. This is from Rudolph Boysen's farm. He created this, and it was thus called a berry. Now, where are you going to get the greatest homemade whipped cream to put on top of your slice of boysenberry pie. Where are you gonna get the crust where when they make flaky pastry crust, nobody, nobody does it better than these guys? Because the secret, I learned this from the barefoot contessa: the secret to making flaky, amazing pie crust is that when you combine the flour with the butter, like you would do to make any kind of dough. You're supposed to use almost ice-cold butter. Even though it doesn't break down, it stays as marbles, if you will, of butter as you mix it with the flour. But because it's so cold and it stays like pebbles and rocks, the butter, when you then go and bake the dough, the butter, because it was so cold, creates air pockets. And that's what makes the flakiness to the crust. Where are you going to get the flakiest crust ever in a pie with the greatest whipped cream on boysenberries? Oh, my God. And the cup of coffee that comes with it comes in a cup that's from 1947. I'm not kidding. And when you ask, yes, I'll have cream and sugar, you know what kind of cream they give you? Triple thick whipping cream. Absolutely. You pour this into that cup of coffee, and it becomes like liquid coffee ice cream. I had this after my phenomenal cheeseburger and french fries. I shouldn't be having it because I'm going to drop dead here. I hope uh, Steve Paulette knows how to do CPR because I'm 62. I shouldn't be eating this stuff. But it's the greatest slice of pie you're ever going to have because it's boysenberry with the flaky crust, with the whipped cream, with this cup of coffee that's from heaven. Where is this place, you may be asking, because you need to change your life. With all this craziness going on, you need to go have a slice of boysenberry pie that comes from Buena Park. Actually, I'll New Zealand it. now generates the most boysenberries, but, and Oregon as well. But it all started with Rudolph Boysen in Anaheim, California. Where do you get this boysenberry pie? At the apple pan. It's been around since 1947. The screen door to get in is from 1947. Talk about throwback! It's the greatest. Apple Pan. It's on Pico and Westwood, West L.A. Mm-mm-mm. And that cheeseburger, the greatest. When you order the French fries, make sure you tell them to get them well done. You know what they'll do? They'll cook them again, so they come back the brownest of brown. It's like a French fry with a sunburn. That's what it's. That's what you're eating. Just the greatest. And that's it. That's all you need in life. Is an amazing cheeseburger, french fries, coffee in a cup from 1947, and a slice of boysenberry pie. I want to talk about surfing. Surfing with sharks swimming underneath you. Eating a seal. Half eaten. But the waves were just fantastic last Sunday. And I'm going tomorrow. And I looked at the forecast I know it's going to be raining, but I don't care, because it's like being in a water sandwich. I got the water on top of my head, and I got the water below my feet. And when you catch a wave in the rain, and the rain goes spraying into your face, in addition to the spray of the wave itself, it don't get better than that. Dr. Clapper. So bring on the rain. The beaches will be empty. And me and my buddies will be out there catching waves. Because catching a wave is great. But when you actually catch the wave of the day in front of your friends, it's the greatest thing in the world. You feel like LeBron James dunking over everybody in front of that crowd. But all you need is a crowd of one. That's what makes it special. And my guest next week, I can't wait, Heather Allens. She is a surf instructor here in Los Angeles. She's from the Big Island of Hawaii. But I went into Manhattan Beach meets and saw a brochure she had. I cannot wait to talk to her about what it's like to teach Los Angelinos how to surf. She'll be my guest next week. Until then, I leave you with Volare, which means I'm singing and I'm flying, which we do every Saturday together here on the show. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you on the radio. i hey. Weekend Warrior is brought to you by Cedar Sinai. With multiple primary care locations in Beverly Hills, the San Fernando Valley, and across the West Side, Cedar Sinai is bringing
0: expert care closer to you and your family. From checkups to consultations that guide you to specialized care. Trust the experts at Cedar Sinai to help manage your health right in your neighborhood. To learn more, call 1-800-Cedars-1. That's 1-800-Cedars-1. Or visit us online at cedarsinai.org slash primary care.